This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Ah, statements Monday here on Minnesota sports with Mackie and Judd. Your home for daily Minnesota sports entertainment, therapy, and speculation. Ah, some brand new graphics yeah, on the YouTube looking channel. Looking good. That's why I'm dancing today. It's a Monday. It's a dancing Monday. No. No, I don't think it's no, no, no. Weekend dancing Tuesday tomorrow. No, weekend statements and therapy (laughs) need to apply to my back, which I might have, uh, which I might have hurt swinging a little bit too hard yesterday. Oh my god! As you know, I break a hundred. You didn't get the memo, man. When you turn thirty, oh god, your back, your back is on high alert. Yeah, especially when you golf. I was telling you guys a story off microphone. It's like I used to I I golf from age fifteen, and I'm thirty seven now. I still golf twenty years later, but like once I hit thirty. It was like, man, like why well, I bend over to, you know, pick up my ball marker on the green rock yeah. and I can't walk for five I days. I retired. I hung it up. Did you ever play? Yeah. I thought I in thought, the 90s I played. Oh, you didn't play in the 90s. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, Did yeah. Did you retire because you were sore with a bad back? No, I retired because I sucked. But I retired <laughs> in because I turned 30 in 2000. So just in the nick of time, I called it quits. All right. Like I kept the drinking escaping, part. Escaping back problems. I kept the drinking much. part. I just <laughs> eliminated the golf part. Yeah. You know, the joke's probably on old Dex tweets and Macadac. Yeah. And poor Dex tweets. He's hurt at the start of the season, too. Yeah. 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 This is going to be a grind for you, man. Yeah. I'll be, I'll, be be like, I'll be okay. You're going to grind through it. Like Tiger Woods, like, yeah. you know, wincing after every shot, there's grinding gonna be, out. There's going to be a rot out of my leg as I duff another chip, but it'll be fine. <laughs> Twins would shut you down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, it's time for statements here, boys. Let's start with this one, if I may. D'Lo stands for delusional. Yeah. I'm going to read you some excerpts from a Q&A he did with The Athletic during this Lakers playoff run. I'm just going to read you quotes and we can react together, okay? Quotes from D'Lo. I felt like I was held back in Minnesota, honestly. I just kind of had to be the third option. Some nights, I was a little more aggressive and was kind of being held back. So to be in a position now in L.A. where I can kind of thrive and be aggressive and it gets guys going to where the team reflects off of anybody with that type of energy, it's fun, end quote. So let me get this straight. He felt like he was being held back in Minnesota with the Timberwolves, a a franchise for 30 years desperate for anything Desperate for any star not named Kevin Garnett, for anyone to grab the franchise by the horns and take it, right? He was held back in Minnesota. 
behind Carl Anthony Towns and a 20-year-old, basically. Like, oh, I just I can't get my way to the front of that line. And now he plays with two first-ballot future Hall of Famers in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And he's not the third option? Like, what am I, what am I missing? He was held back as a third option in Minnesota. Now he plays behind LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It sounds to me like he's not capable of rising up to be the one or the two when a team needed it, and he's comfortable being the third option in Los Angeles. Maybe he's getting it twisted. What is he talking about? He is one of the – and th- this is a problem in sports, so it's not just a problem with him, but he is one of the least self-aware human beings I've ever come across. It's like and, – and here's the thing. You know what, Dilo? At this point in your career in life, just say this: I have an expiration date stamped somewhere on me, and everywhere I go, that expiration date is going to come up, and I'm going to be traded. It doesn't mean I'm, my career is done, okay? But look at how many places this guy has been at a relatively young age still, and understand. Five teams in eight years, and understand, D'Angelo, you're a bright guy. This is a you problem. This is a total, and I guarantee his stint, his second stint with the Lakers will come to a similar end. Okay, so he is one of the, and and by the way, too, let's talk about the fact that that here he didn't really want to make it work. Gobert well, and him were supposed to be these this great team, right? It's going to work, and and you know behind the scenes, we heard that he was basically mocking Gobert. This is a you problem, man. Yes. And clearly some of that, Gobert hasn't been the greatest teammate or guy to mesh with, no. and so I get some of that. But, like, and part of me feels like I don't – I feel bad dunking on D'Lo more. We've already done so much on D'Lo on this show over the years, and, you know, I, I don't want to be a bully, but, dude, you can't you can't say stuff like this and not expect a reaction back. So, okay, so he feels like he was held back and he – you know, there's some quotes we're going to get to here, too, but that, like, he couldn't really be his true D'Lo self. This basketball victim stuff drives me crazy. Like, <laughs> dude, you were brought in as a franchise centerpiece four years ago. You were supposed to be the James Harden. Remember, that was what that's what Gerson was talking about. We need a, we need a ball-dominant combo guard that can just take off in this offense and be the James Harden. He wasn't good enough. He wasn't good enough. Yeah. He's not. And, he, and it, by the way, if, if LeBron or Anthony Davis didn't exist in L.A., he wouldn't be good enough to be the two in L.A. unless you're talking about a 39-win team that sneaks into the playoffs. So, you know, and if you want to look at his playoff track record before he linked up with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, where he could be an actual third guy and be comfortable and have open shots and stuff, he was a 33% shooter in the playoffs when put on a bigger pedestal with Brooklyn and with the Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. He, could, he wasn't good enough. That's the fact. Like he, when he's been elevated to a spot where he can be his true self, he's not good enough to be that. So have some self awareness, like Judd said. Yeah, I, I would even say just don't buy D'Lo stock. Like D'Lo, nothing about your numbers, nothing about really any of him is different from where he was this season to where he is with the Lakers for in terms of statistics. Right, like the points are basically the same, the assists are the same, the lack of defense is still there. Sure, little bit uptick. In, in field goal percentage and three point shot shooting, but that's D'Lo. Like D'Lo's gonna like what we saw in Game Three because I watched all that on Saturday night too. That's a classic D'Lo game where D'Lo once a series might actually get really hot and probably carry you or help you really solidify the win. 
he's going to come out in game four, put up 12 shots, and probably hit two of them. Right? Like, he, he has a, he's so volatile where he's going to have a lot of those clunkers, but he is, when he's hot, yeah, we saw it in the playing game against the Clippers last season. He can help carry a team to a win, but he can't do it consistently, and he wow. certainly is thriving being the third guy behind two Hall of Fame players. He's also just another guy in a long list of guys, Matthew Dellavedova. There's a lot of guys on that list that see spikes in performance and field goal percentage when they play with LeBron James because he's one of the greatest passers and players of all time. Here's a couple more quotes from D'Lo. I felt that my confidence was being taken away with the style I was playing in in Minnesota. I'm a killer, man. I'm a bird that needs to fly, and I couldn't really fly there. I had to kind of cater to guys, and respectfully, I was with it because we were winning. But I know what type of player I am. Buddy, the Timberwolves would have loved for you to fly. <laughs> they wanted you to fly. Fly away. Like, go go score 30 points a game. Like, nobody was trying to stop you from being a dominant player in Minnesota. It wasn't some conspiracy in Minnesota. Let's hold D'Lo down. You weren't good enough in Minnesota. You weren't good enough. That's what happened in Minnesota. Let me read you one more here and then, all right. I learned so much from my time with the Warriors. Brushing shoulders with Steph, seeing how he operates, how he moved, how he talked. Draymond Green, seeing the way he can play defense. What everybody there does is special, and I got to cross paths with it. I got to see all that. I put it all in my bag and took it with me. You know what I mean? Because when people watch D'Angelo Russell play basketball, you know what they think? He's a hybrid between Steph Curry and Draymond Green. Yes. They couldn't wait Dude. to trade his ass, too. Why are you doing this Q&A? Well, exactly. Why are well, you doing this Q&A? And then he comes back and basically says, I enjoyed my time with the, the Wolves. I didn't demand a trade. It's it's double talk. Like, it's all like, it, it's just. He said, Dude, at the end of this Q&A, he says the Lakers have a big decision to make on me. No, they don't. Why, you're putting the screws to the Lakers yeah, in no, the second don't. round of the playoffs because you had one good, right. like, dude, just shut up and, like, not. I don't want to be the shut up and play basketball guy, but, like, this is not the time to do a Q&A, puffing your chest about how you're a killer, man. You got just, be- <laughs> you got benched in the play-in game against your former team. I know. He also had, and I remember when uh, it's Anthony Edwards' first year, so 2020 into 21. So Anthony Edwards is a rookie. I believe Cat got injured right away and missed a good good chunk of that first half of the season. And D'Lo was the guy, right? Like D'Lo had every right to be the guy. Anthony Edwards is learning NBA basketball for the first time. And the Wolves stunk. So like D'Lo, you had the chance to honestly be an alpha even during that time period. And it was mm-hmm. I met the Wolves started 2-0 and that year. I was like, oh, D'Lo had a couple good starts here. They, they, they'll be fine without Cat. He was D'Lo. He put up some 35-point games for sure, but they also still lost a lot of games. What he does. Back. Anyways. Back. All right, Declan. Uh, Did you already give your Yeah, I I kind of just did. Yeah, it's all delusional. He's he's delusional. I'm with you. He don't buy this D'Lo stock because this is what he does, man. I mean, I I wouldn't be shocked at all. Like I said, he lays another clunker in game four against the Warriors. Wouldn't shock me. And I actually don't. I wouldn't be surprised if he keeps playing pretty well because guess what? He's the third guy. No, he's behind a killer. LeBron James no. and Anthony Davis. No, it's he's the killer. He's easier dealing. to be a killer when you're like the guy that no, no one's. No, you don't where, understand the him. killer. You well, don't, don't understand him. It's a Hall of Fame. He's going to Springfield. You don't understand it. All right. My statement is this. This is ridiculous even by Bally's standards. 
So Dallas comes out and the Wild miss a wide open net off Hartman's stick. And then Rupe Hintz goes down seconds later and scores. That doesn't mean the game's over. That's an adverse situation that, unfortunately, the crowd has to face and overcome. I don't think it did that. Instead, it caved under the pressure. So as long as we're all out there calling spades spades, the fans could have done a better job, too. The players all went in there this morning, and they all owned that they weren't good enough. And we'll have to talk about what not good enough means at some point, I think. But the fans can't be booing in a one nothing game, game six at home, you know, down three games to two, and then think that, okay, everything's going to be rosy when they come out of the locker room. All right. First of all, the glasses are off, okay? The glasses come off immediately. Oh, that's the Wild on 7th podcast yes. there uh, with Ryan Carter. Yes, who, who is, of course, also an employee of Bally's. Uh, he's in the booth with LaPanta for a bunch of the games. But if you listen to that, and that podcast was done, I think, a couple of days after the Wild was eliminated uh, by Dallas in the first round. If you listen to that, that is some of the most ridiculous, ludicrous criticism I have ever heard in my life. So to be to explain it again, just because not because you didn't get it, but because the depth of its stupidity is so great. Ryan Carter just basically said we should talk about what the fans did wrong in game six. We could talk about the team later. And but he basically said that you fans who paid good money to watch a terrible performance, I think Dex would agree in game six, that you fans let the team down by not overcoming an adverse situation while the team folded completely. What now? I don't know. Ryan, I don't think is a dumb guy. So my guess is he got this from somebody else that said you should bring this up. But you are literally criticizing the wild fan base who has not seen the team get beyond the first round since 2015 for letting the team down when the team was playing like crap and deserved to be booed completely, got exactly what they deserved, and you're going to address, before you address the team, you're going to criticize the fans for getting upset. You know, I I, I actually, I've thought about this. I think Ryan's on to something here. You know, that press conference podium, the players were all done by mid-morning, I think, the day after, right? They're clearing out their lockers. We had plenty of time to bring some wild season ticket holders up there to face the media. Okay, like let's bring Bob from Matamida. Yeah. Yep. Can we get can we get Ron from Forest Lake up there to face some Mike Russo fastball questions? Yep. Some Judd Zolgad zingers. I want to I want to know why Gary from St. Cloud was not on his A game yep. in the second period of that hockey game. Okay. Carla and John from. Woodbury and their three kids who all got jerseys should have been paraded up there to answer our questions about why they crapped the bed, which is what Ryan Carter said in game six. Think about let's that for call, a second. Since we're calling spades spades, let's talk about how the fans didn't rise up to a moment of adversity. Yes. <laughs> Two yes. things. The Wild have lost 14 of their last 19 games at home in the playoffs. State of hockey. State of team of 19,000. You are the best hockey fans in the Dude. world, world, world. And you've lost 14 of 19. And you're upset that the fans are pissed at that? That is mind-blowing to me. 
I have said for years, especially in the last few, that the XL Energy Center, I will agree, sometimes is the dullest and the most blandest fan entertainment and engagement in the entire four major men's sports, okay? If I hear the Bon Jovi song one more time, if I see the same dang gang game that they play in the middle of intermissions, it's bland. Someone has to get the fans a little bit more hyped. I am 100%. I'll listen to Ryan Carter on, on that vein, that sometimes the fans there, it just kind of feels bleh. I do agree with him there. But to suggest that the fans are at fault for a team that absolutely folded and can't win playoff games at home is ludicrous. Makes zero sense, dude. Dude, I actually think it's amazing. So we're we're 20 years into, what are we, 22, 23 years into wild hockey? One, we're almost a... 22, right? Almost a quarter century into wild hockey. Because they lost a season, yeah. And fans pack that freaking arena yes. every single night. Yes. This team has given nothing back to them in the postseason. Nothing since, since 2003. Yeah, since West Walls, yes. It's been 20 years since this organization has repaid the fans in the postseason. Yeah. And they still put 20,000 people in that arena every single night. And so I don't know where this this it's kind of amazing. I feel like we we become on on this show and on Purple Daily, we almost become the crusaders for like we have opinions on sports and teams and players and stuff, but these people that tell you how to be a fan, right? Like that you're a if you don't support the team, if you boo a team, you're a bad fan. If you don't stick by your quarterback through thick and thin, if you criticize anyone, you're a you're a bad fan. And I don't know I don't know why it has gotten to that point with some of the commentary in this town. Well, partially because of you us. are not a well. No, I mean like on the other side that you're a bad you're a bad fan if if you boo no, but I'm a saying team that's lost 14 of 19 home games in the playoffs. Our brethren in this business, not us, are partially to blame. The media in this town sets up an expectation to try and dump on anything that's not their team. And by the way, we see it all the time. You can criticize, just because you criticize Dean Evison, for instance, for being bad. Now, you want Dean Evison gone. But I'm saying, like, it is possible for there to be a gray area where you criticize a really good player like Kaprizov or criticize a coach that's done a really good job in the regular season and not make it personal or want them fired you know, if you can't walk in that gray area, then, dude, get off a microphone. But Ryan, Put your pen down. But in this case, Ryan, to me, crossed a line that we rarely see get crossed, which is he literally, before he talked about, because he said this, before he talked about the team <laughs> being eliminated in six games and what is a massive disappointment, he basically went after the fans. Like, even by standards in this town, that's a special type of dumb. Like I need how, to hear from Charlie and Delano. How Charlie you, and Delano, you were lashing out. He's I heard telling you them to face the adversity. Period. Like it would be one thing if that was an aside to having ripped the team, right? Like if he first talked about how the team played and said, you know, Kirill Kaprizov didn't give you enough, Boldy disappeared, and then he's like, well, and the last game was disappointing from a fan perspective. I'd be like, okay, I don't love that, but okay. But he is going after the fans first and telling them how they should act about a team that continually comes out to play playoff games with its gloves around its throat. Yeah. Like, they're, mm. they're choking pigs. What are you talking about? How are you doing this? These people, do you know how much they pay? And, and look, I mean, 
guys, who pays who pays for Bally's? The fans do. They're they're the ones that pay the big fees. Well, aside from those who cheat on cable, like I do, satellite. And you're going to tell me that you're going to go after them and tell? I mean, what are you even doing? That is a level that I don't think I've ever seen before. When it's so richly undeserved, hey, can I it's ask really you bad. Random side street for a second. Whatever happened with the whole Bally's not paying the Twins and Guardians thing? It's um, it's going to court. I think May thirtieth or approximately May thirtieth. So, so for now, the Twins are just going to keep airing games Correct. on Bally's. Correct. I don't even know if they can contractually pull them off until it goes to court. I think it has to be. I think it has to mm-hmm. go through the courts first. I don't think, despite the fact that they aren't being paid and this makes no sense, I think they need to actually have it go to court, be decided, and at that point, I think baseball, if the Twins win and baseball wins, they could take the rights then and shop them. And we are seeing, it's interesting, and I don't know how teams are doing it, um, but I saw another team, in addition to the Suns, it might be in a different sport. I think it was a baseball team that is taking their games back to free TV. Uh, yes, yeah. I believe the Suns did that. The Suns did for sure, but somebody else, yeah. I want to say a baseball team did. Pirates did. might have. I think it might have been. So Pirates did something. That's an intriguing too. thing. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. A lot of goodwill. Anyway, we go. I feel like we kind of uh, like skimmed over Declan's first statement in our D'Angelo Russell ripping there. So we'll throw it back to Declan here. All right, I'll give you. Well, I'll give you a wild statement. I'll, can, I'll continue down. Continue down this path at least. Um, this won't be difficult. Is my statement. So Philip Gustafson is entering RFA status, which means so uh, the Wild still basically control his rights. If another team does come into play by a certain date, the Wild can then match the contract. He's not a UFA. But the, but the Wild obviously have to bring back Philip Gustafson. This will not be difficult for the Wild to do, and nor do I think Philip Gustafson's going to play complete hardball. So the Wild, historically, no matter what ownership has come through here, has never overpaid for goaltending. It's actually been kind of a blessing for them. In a hard salary cap era, I think one of the dumbest things you can do is overpay for NHL goaltending on a very volatile, crazy position that's always up and down. And Philip Gustafson sure had a great season. He established himself as slappy, I think as Judd called him, on like the second episode of JHS this season. To the legitimate number one guy who started five of the six playoff games for you. Wait, Judd, you, you, you called him a slappy at the beginning of the year? Judd probably. Judd, Judd said yeah, he, was he, a, he was a backup. He was a backup, yeah. I think he called him a slappy. Yeah. No, I think I did. He probably called him a yeah, slappy. Yeah, I, I think he had two or three bad games, and I did go the slap your out. Yeah. Judd was very concerned with both the goal. I was very well, I was way games. more concerned with Gus yeah. than Flower. But I, think, I was I was concerned that the fans were booing Gus in the second game. You know, that pissed me off too. Over the top. I told those fans, "You be next now." You know, if you're going to pay, hold fans accountable. If you're going to pay sixteen dollars that in a golden light, you know, why don't you chip into Philip Gustafson's next contract? It's okay, that's un- that's that's really important for you to do. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be difficult to bring him back. Um, I think it's probably a bridge deal. I think it's a two or three year deal. Probably looking at somewhere between four and five AAV max it might even slip underneath that 
but he's the perfect bridge goalie. Marc-Andre Fleury is still going to be here for one more season. You have Jesper Wallstedt in the system, who is the number one goaltending prospect in the NHL. This is transitioning perfectly for the Wild. Gustafson playing above his skis was maybe a little bit more difficult in the negotiations, but I don't think it's going to be a complete non-starter that they can't bring him back, even with their salary cap problems. So don't worry. The Gus bus will be back next season. Okay. I'm good with this. I, I think, Sorry, I correct me if I'm wrong here, but outside of like the top four or five great goalies, right? You shouldn't get locked into bloated goalie contracts. Yeah, it's a terrible idea. Right? If you have Patrick Waugh in his prime, awesome. Yeah. Okay, go pay him. He's going to stand on his head. Otherwise, it's too much. Kind of like relievers in baseball. You got to be really yeah. careful from year to year. Um, here's a statement for you guys. Power Lodge and Miller Marine oh, are your go-to places oh, you know for it. throttle therapy on land and water. We're going to try and get the sports dad out on one of these oh. badass Bennington pontoons from the Power Lodge. It's not going to be difficult. I'm going to tell you that right now. Look at this. I don't know if we'd trust you to to handle uh, the actual driving of the pontoon, but you can sit in the back and mm-hmm. make, make uh, pithy comments. Oh, uh, you know what? No. A- after today's... Statements and what Ryan Carter said. I need right now some throttle therapy. I'm going to tell you that. So this is what I need to calm <laughs> myself down before I go back to the X. When the leaves start to turn in the fall, I need to be out there taking deep breaths, relaxing, and sitting nowhere near the steering wheel. Yes, uh, lounging on a Bennington pontoon. There are not many better ways to spend your summer months on the water. Uh, the Twin Cities' newest Bennington dealer, the Power Lodge, with locations in Brainerd, Onamia, Ramsey, and Miller Marine of St. Cloud. PowerLodge.com and MillerMarine.com. New partners here on Score North. Love it. All right, next statement for you guys. I don't blame the Washington Commanders for trying. <laughs> this is a great story over the weekend. All right, so... I, I kind of saw this backwards because I saw the Jim Irsay tweet this morning. I was like, what is he talking about? So news broke over the weekend that the Washington Commanders reached out to retired former Colts quarterback Andrew Luck last offseason. Yep. Now, apparently this was like a year ago this happened? Yes. Okay. And the Colts knew, but it didn't leak. So they were hoping that the 33-year-old would return to the league to play for them. Of course, like if you're going to come back, you get all these options you could choose from potentially, although it turns out he doesn't, which we'll talk about. The Commanders are clearly the team that you would come back and play yeah. for that train wreck organization. Yep. However, while he's retired, Luck is technically still under contract with the Colts, and Colts owner Jim Irsay made note of that when this story leaked out. Irsay tweeted, If any NFL team attempted to contract Andrew Luck or any associate of him to play for their franchise, it would be a clear violation of of the league's tampering policy, Irsay tweeted on Sunday night. But you know what? If you're the Washington Commanders, it's worth getting caught tampering. <laughs> if you thought Andrew Luck would come back refreshed from like five years, you could of lose draft so, picks though, first round pick potentially. I mean, there's there's really Bring not much on. further to go to the to the bottom of the rocks for the Washington <laughs> Commanders. So, so I I don't blame them for uh, for taking a flyer on Andrew Luck. Do you think Luck plays again? No, I, I don't think so. I think he's done. He weighs like 120 now. Yeah, he's a skinny guy. I'm kind of shocked. I'm exaggerating. I thought he'd maybe take, yes, take a year or two off and then come back for I don't. You know what? Years, but I think he was a gifted player. I don't 
think he ever because because he's he's a smart dude. I don't think he ever really like loved the sport. And the poor guy got his ass kicked so badly. One of the untalked about saddest things as far as players not being allowed to reach their potential is yeah. how bad the Colts offensive line was built for what should have been and was briefly a generational quarterback. Not a good quarterback. Well, good thing the Vikings employed. Yeah, uh, that was, yeah. yeah. I know, Ryan I know. It got, yeah, yeah. Who's now very quietly calling the shots here. But, I mean, if you go back now, if he had been given an offensive line and stability, I mean, he was a generational talent. There was the uh, podcast here that Zach Kiefer, who also covers the Colts for the Athletic, did last summer. It was like a four-part. Yep. It was awesome. Uh, listened to the whole thing. And I remember... I think, uh, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but towards the end of the last episode, I believe they had beaten the Chiefs in a playoff game, whatever Luck's last playoff win was, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember some of the teammates that were interviewed on there just said how much he was kind of, it felt like he was at peace. Like, even though, like, they had still to play a divisional game and and, and he kind of realized, all right, I made it back from my insane injuries. I won another playoff game in epic fashion. And I don't want to keep doing this. I think I'm I'm at peace with where I'm at, which was pretty interesting to hear. Yeah, it is a great. Uh, I think. Well, the one I'm thinking of was on the Athletic Football podcast. Yeah, and I don't know if there's like a separate feed for it, but it's really it's really it's sad though. Like this guy should should have been great for ten to twelve years. Yeah. As a football well, fan, I feel I feel like I was taken by the Colts. I agree. I agree. Any other statements from you, Judd? I've got one more. Better late than never, Adam Thielen, whose wife sort of dictated his parting shots at at, at the Vikings uh, before he signed with the Panthers, did a car wash of local podcasts and shows. He said the following to Mike Rand of the Star Tribune, okay? And this is this is the message that should have been put out there from the day he left here. He, he said... It, It's hard to explain the entire situation. I don't think there was ever a point where I was unhappy with what I was doing here. It was just pretty clear that they had a different vision for me than maybe I had for a way that I could help the team win games. There wasn't a wrong thing. There wasn't disrespect on either side. I think it was just time for both sides to move on. That, better late than never, than than your wife ripping the team then you going on shows around the Super Bowl and sort of subtly demanding, yeah, if I'm not going to get the ball more, it, it got very weird. And as we talked about the entire time, it didn't need to. It's a separation that's inevitable for almost every player. And I don't care if you're from Detroit Lakes or Detroit, Michigan, okay? You have your run. There is a very good chance that Justin Jefferson will not end his career here. It doesn't mean that he won't be a great Viking. And so at least, and I don't know if it was his agent or his representatives or whomever, for Thielen to do this now is at least a step in the right direction. Because, Phil, like you've been saying for two months now, he's going to retire probably pretty soon. Shortly after that, he's going to be put in the Vikings ring of honor, which he richly deserves. There is no reason, and there was no reason for this to end anything but classy from both sides. So I'm glad yeah. that he's getting this right now. Yep. And uh, I think I think what the, the quotes he gave to Rand, he did a little media tour. He was on Collar's podcast. He did uh, Start to Be with Rand and a couple other ones too. But I think 
the conversations he probably had with his agent and family and wife throughout the season and the in the aftermath were probably a little bit more spirited. Mm-hmm. He probably felt a little bit his ego probably felt a little bit more of a blow. Absolutely. But after taking a deep breath for a few months and being reflective, not to mention dude, he got paid by the Panthers. He's yeah. he's gonna wind up yeah. getting another eight figures and, and some guaranteed money next year. And I think him working with a young top quarterback, like this is a great spot for him. It's a winnable division for him. He can go put up some numbers. He can feel like he's a centerpiece of, of an offense mm-hmm. and he can get paid eight figures to do it. And he can help one of the bright young quarterbacks in the NFL and then come back to the ring of honor. It did, like, it doesn't have to be weird. Right. Not every departure of a veteran player, Eric Hendricks, the least weird departure you're ever going to find, right? He writes a big tribute perfect, in the Players' Tribune. I love Minnesota. He mentions Zenbox, which is one of my favorite restaurants. Yeah, like, great spot. Absolutely. He totally gets it. And he's like, you know what? Now I get to, I'm from L.A. I get to go back to L.A. and finish out my career and raise my kids in L.A. And always have a soft spot for Minnesota. It doesn't always have to be contentious and weird. Mm-hmm. So, I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad that at this point he got his last... Um, his last message right, if if that makes sense, because like the whole thing with his wife got really weird, and and he is going to be at the end of the day remembered as a Viking, and he should be. Mm-hmm. So just say thank unless, you, which he did, and now it's done. The, the Panthers win the Super Bowl until he catches until he catches twelve passes for two hundred and twenty yards <laughs> and three touchdowns against the the Vikings. <laughs> And tomorrow, championship game. and tomorrow, I'm going to tell you exactly where that game will be on the schedule, too. Oh, and I'm going to tell you right, right now. They do play each other, right? Yeah, they do. And I'm going to tell you right now, I think they're going to have to turn on the lights for it. Just a little taste, a little seasoning. Oh, can I? It's a, you have it as a Thursday night game, don't you? I'm not talking. Nope. 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 We're not looking to guess what I did. I'm just I'm trying to put on a little seasoning. The mock schedule on Purple Daily from Judd tomorrow. Thanks for hanging out with us here. Minnesota Sports with Mackie and Judd. Please click subscribe on the Scornoth YouTube channel if you could.